Welcome to a very special Truthcast episode of And Almost Starring. Did you know there was a prequel to Caddyshack 2? And Jackie Mason was played by Rodney Dangerfield. You can find out all sorts of neat movie facts like that on our comedy podcast, The Truthcast. Uh, no, wait, Dickie, you said comedy podcast? Yes, we are an improvised comedy no, 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 podcast. No, 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 no. We the... are an alternative media source for truths and the real news. We are not a vaguely homoerotic soap opera. People have called called Beavis and Butthead meets the X-Files. Thank you. Listen to the Truthcast wherever you get podcasts. Is William Murray in the prequel? I really enjoyed William Murray. Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down that casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And... Well, someone's got to break the ice, and it might as well be me. I mean, I'm used to being a hostess as part of my husband's work, and it's always difficult when a group of new friends meet together for the first time to get acquainted, so I'm perfectly prepared to start the ball rolling. I mean, I I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, what I'm doing here, what this place is about, but I am determined to enjoy myself. I'm very intrigued, and oh my, the soup's delicious, isn't it? <laughs> it's Clue! For better or for worse, out there is... Amy Joe, how are you doing today, Miss Peacock? I'm doing just great, <laughs> Jeff. I took literally no notes on this film. How, what do you, you? how do you take notes how on something you? that you, is that, your blood? Uh, that you said on, because a few weeks ago, you were on uh, The Love of Cinema, our friends, our friend mm-hmm. podcast, uh, talking about In the Heights and Singing in the Rain. And uh, you said that this is the film that you think you've seen the most. That's probably, it's probably true. Because I've seen a lot of films a lot of times. Yeah. But, you know, this I watched a ton in my youth, too young, and then we de- never stopped watching it, and then I've watched it a ton. I ne- There was never a time in my life where I went through a non-clue phase, so. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing just fine. Uh, and listener, if you didn't check out our episode on Yentl, so you you might have been wondering, like, wait, where'd, uh, there was no episode last week. Uh, as we mentioned there, we are currently going, uh, we're just releasing bi-weekly for now. Uh, all good reasons. We just have work things coming Employment, up. Employment, so baby! Uh, we are recording a lot of episodes over this month. So <laughs> Get ready for some July 2020, 2021. Yeah. There'll be some very uh, very topical references that we'll make uh, in our December episode that will be recorded <laughs> in August. Uh <laughs> Uh, yes, and uh, if you are enjoying the pod, as always, please subscribe and rate and review wherever you can, and you know, tell a friend. That's also the easiest way that I found is just tell people you're like, hey, you ever you you, you like movies, you like podcasts, you like uh, dumb banter and average impressions of actors. <laughs> then have I got a show for you? You know the way that you would force your friends to watch Clue, uh, force, force them, them to, to listen, listen to, to this us podcast. Talk about Clue. Uh, also. Uh, I would love like this could just be a uh, like a screening party of doing Clue 
clueless and the little known without a clue. Oh, I with- was thinking clueful. Is there a movie Clu- called Clueful? <laughs> clueful. Clueful has like a sequel to Clueless <laughs> is just dumb enough that I would believe that there would be a direct DVD sequel. <laughs> Clueless 2, <laughs> Clueful. Share now got I'm a clue. Full of clues. Uh, no, without a clue with Michael Caine as Sherlock Holmes right, and right, 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 Ben right. Kingsley as Watson, aka the crime doctor, uh, is so funny and so underrated. I wish more people knew about that. It's film. so funny. Aside from uh, a really unnecessary transphobic joke uh, toward the end of the film, I mean, and it'd be very easy to take out uh, if we just took that out. It is a delightful picture. Yes, yes. I don't even. I've only seen it the one time, so I don't, I don't even remember what you're referring mm-hmm. to. But I trust you on it. Yes. Yeah, so uh, it's. I mean, it's clue. You must know this film. I'm, I'd be shocked. There are certain films we've done where I'm like, I, it doesn't, I mean, I feel like with any film, like it doesn't matter if you've seen the film. It's like you can listen to it. I'll listen to episodes on movies that I haven't seen because it's not the it's a, who cares. Um, but this is a film that I'd be surprised if you listen or are listening to and you haven't seen the film because this feels like such a specific type of comedy mm-hmm. uh i learned comedy from this movie i think oh, yeah. that's a pretty uh blanket that like appropriate statement to say is like this is probably where i learned the foundations of what i would go on to do professionally and so many different types there's yes. farce there's like w- wit there is like there's highbrow there's and slapstick. there's lowbrow i mean the beginning is a bunch of people all like where is this dog do smell coming from Correct. that we're starting lowbrow but then we keep going higher and higher and higher uh, and we should mention real quick that this film is a listener request from sloth thank you sloth sloth thank you thank you for writing in thank you for writing in because me just saying hey jeff can we do clues apparently yeah. <laughs> not enough but when you listeners come through you come through. honestly i was just worried that we wouldn't have enough to talk about in the sense that sometimes with the movies that you and i both love it's, it's like no notes it, same with me i was like i got no, i got i got so little to add to the conversation other being like and this moment also great this i have moment, some thoughts about great. what they could have done with leslie and warren's hair oh. um but that has nothing to do with the casting <laughs> okay well we'll put a pin on that uh-huh. uh and you listener if you got a movie you want us to cover then email us at and almost starring at gmail.com and let us know Clue came out on December 13th, 1985, and was written and directed by Jonathan Lynn. Amy Jo, as you've already been telling us your experience on Clue, but uh, also I think now's a good time to mention. I have bonus experience with Clue. Tell us your bonus experience with where you got to meet Jonathan Lynn. I did a couple times. Um, So... I, obsessed with this film for low these many years, Mm -hmm. uh, was Mm -hmm. approached in... Gosh, that would have been 2015. Yes. By my friend Jason Michael Snow, uh, who's an actor and comedian and singer and just a delightful person, uh, about doing a like staged reading version at this uh, cabaret venue called 54 Below in New York City. And I was like, duh. And he didn't have a part for me then. He was just like, I know you love this movie because we went to college together and we would just quote Mrs. White all the time and he was like uh, i'm thinking of you for either yvette or peacock and i was like i'm in truly what do i need to do i'm in and then um the way they got the rest of the cast formatted he was like i think peacock makes sense for you i was like well i would have i would have told you that but um so we <laughs> did it was like 11 30 p.m which is the late night show at 54 because some people were in shows so they came afterwards so 
Michael Yuri played Wadsworth. Incredible. It's perfect. Three time now, three time Tony nominee Brandon Uranowitz played Mrs. White. Also perfection. Just perfect. Uh, there were many other people. I was the only person you wouldn't know if you were a theater person <laughs> in that cast. Um, and it was sold out. It sold out in like two days, I think. Um, and it it was like people talk about like, oh, your wedding is the best day of your life. And I don't understand how a very stressful day can be the best day of your life. But sure. And I was like, you're only saying that because you didn't get to play Mrs. Peacock to a sold out crowd at 54 Below. And as your husband and partner, I fully support this statement. <laughs> so anyway, we we do the show and there is this. British gentleman sitting like in the bar seating. And like I had heard that Jonathan Lynn would come to clue related things. Yeah. So I thought, is that Jonathan Lynn? And then sure enough, at the end, like, you oh know, he got brought up on stage and we're all like losing <sighs> our minds. Cause also I have to say, we killed it. We crushed yeah. it was a feat. And then he comes up on stage. And so we have this photo of all of us like sweaty and like smiling so hard our faces are gonna break with Jonathan Lynn. So then that was so that was 20, 2015. Yeah. 2015 or 2014. Yeah. 20, yeah. So then cut to a few months later, it's the 30th anniversary of the film. Um when was so yeah, so 2015, 85, yeah, December 13th, 1985. Yeah, so, so in like mid December. Yeah, that was like September, 13th. I think, that you did. It was, it was so early September because it was the day after Eileen Brennan's birthday. No big deal. Um, so anyway, we then got asked, hey, we're honoring Jonathan Lynn at the Players Club, which is like a private club on Gramercy Park in Manhattan. It's like all actor, theater type people, very she-she. And um, they, were, they were saying, would you all be able to do like an encore performance of it as a way of honoring Jonathan and it being the 30th anniversary of the film. And we were all like, obviously I was doing the little mermaid in little rock, Arkansas. And let me tell you, there's not a lot of direct flights out of little rock. So I had, <laughs> I had negotiated before I signed my contract, I'd negotiated that Sunday off because yeah. it was a Sunday night. So my parents drove to little rock from Houston, Texas. I do the show that Saturday night I get out of my octopus drag. They bundle me up in the car. We drive to Houston. I sleep there that night. And then I get on a direct flight to New York that morning. I then go and I do the show at the Players Club that night. Which I was night. able to see because I was which not were, able to see yes. before below. So I was here for the Players Club, which yeah. was incredible. It was what amazing. It was what so a fun. A Mr. Body in that one was played by Zach Levi. Chuck. Chuck. Ever Shazam. Heard of Ever hear of him? Um, and he was so funny and so nice. And then we all just like got to hang out there in, in like after hours, we got a tour of Edwin Booth's apartment on the top <laughs> floor. We're all like lounging on the stairs. Like what is life? And, um, yeah, so that was my extra experience with Clue. Uh, I played, I played basically like a, a slightly delight. lampooned version of Eileen Brennan as Mrs. Peacock. Yes, and I lived all, all you're my all dreams. doing the the entire screenplay, the entire version, yeah. of the movie of Clue, but like with specifically also satirizing these performances. They are they lovingly, are all, so, loving, yeah. lovingly, like yes. And Jason, my friend Jason Michael Snow, transcribed the entire score because you Amazing. can't like go online and buy that score. He transcribed it from watching it, and then it was played live. Uh, it was uh, tremendous. So I then I also watched so it a ton, right, just to, to make sure I was note perfect, note perfect, darling. and off book. 
Uh, and then and then your cast, you all did uh, the dinner scene again oh, we uh, did. in the early in the early, early days of pandemic. Yeah, that we all because I helped you film that you filmed it all separately and they edited it all together really it well. And great. then with Paul Shear as Mr. Right. Body, because uh, Jason just, was doing a I think he's worked with Paul before. Oh, so, so yeah. Cool. So if you look on Instagram, you can find like clue dinner scene. Or yeah, something. It's, it's very fun. Uh, yeah, it was such a delight. I was so glad I could be. I was so sad that I missed that first. The 54 below. I was so glad I could be with her for the second. Listen. I'm sorry you couldn't be there at all. It was awesome. <laughs> but all that is to say is that Amy Jo is a certified clue well, expert. And we started watching this film probably too young, my brother and I, because mm-hmm. my family was obsessed with this board game. So we played the board game like we'd play on teams because we were too little to really like do it, right, you know. Right. But like w- my family loves a mystery novel, sure. a mystery tale. So we've been playing this board game. With my grandparents since like we were old enough to roll a die, maybe. So <laughs> then they were like, oh, I guess they can watch this movie. And it was scary, which is hilarious. You, now. Know, you know, it's not on the board game. Uh, actual murder. That's true. That's true. Also, there's not like uh, there might be someone in the ballroom. Oh, no. Right. Yeah. Slow so dramatic cross. The, the, the power going out and like creepy gloves ah. with the hands coming by to whack you in the head with a lead pipe. Correct. There's, there's no cook with a knife in her back. No, but it never left my brain, you know, that bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had seen this at a young age as well. I remember watching this with my cousins. Uh, I specifically know it had to have been before seventh grade because some teacher, whatever, mentioned Clue as a movie. And some of one of my classmates was like, Clue is a movie. What are they going to make a movie out of next? Monopoly. And I was like, shh. Shut up in my mind because I was too shy and scared to talk. It's why I would have just go shut up in person because I hated everyone. I didn't want to be in that school. Uh, But I remember that I was like, this is a great movie. It's like Monopoly is a movie, which they really Scott was trying to make a Monopoly movie for several years for like over a decade on IMDb. I I can't imagine. It's still happening. Well, I guess I didn't see this. Jumanji is a much more exciting film than I could ever imagine. Mon- what what would a Monopoly movie look like? Capitalism. Yeah, who wants that? It would unless, look like unless Hollywood it had to today. be some like really like we got to take down the Monopoly man like or some oh, nonsense. Oh yeah, it's actually know. a socialist commentary. I'm into that. I'm into that. Just bulldozing the houses to get out of jail free. Parker you know? Brothers, I don't think would give the go ahead to call well, it Monopoly. Well, if they're gonna make if that's the only way they'll make money, they've been trying to make a movie for so long. That's true. Monopoly. So who knows? Either way, a Clue it lends itself to a movie. Oh yeah. Even though people were like. As I'll get into right now, it was like the people were like, this is so stupid. What are you doing? You're making a movie about a game board, a board game, you idiots. And like, yeah, but it's just a murder mystery comedy. It's like it's not hungry, hungry hippos. <laughs> Even that has more drama than like, sorry. You the know? movie Congo briefly becomes hungry, hungry hippos. <laughs> hippos are trying to capsize their boat. So, you know, hungry, hungry hippos. I'm sure there will be a hungry, hungry hippo in this upcoming Jungle Cruise movie with. Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. Sure. Um, But we're not talking about Jungle Cruise. We're talking about Clue. So John Landis of Blues Brothers and Coming to America fame wrote the story treatment, but he couldn't figure out the story past the butler saying, here's how it happened. He realized, I don't know how to sum up how it happened. He's like, I wrote a mystery that I don't know how to solve and realized, oh, I need to get an actual screenwriter. You think to write your screenplay? So he approached Broadway's Tom Stoppard to write the screenplay. And he said, I'll never forget it. I got a letter from him literally a year later on this beautiful onion skin paper, very elegant 
stationary, basically saying, I give up. And he enclosed a check for the entire amount he was paid. Wow. Which, when Stoppard was reached out to for comment, he said via email, I remember John Landis, of course, but I can't remember Clue. I don't think I worked on it. I've never heard of Clue. Sorry not to be able to help. So <laughs> I like Incredible. to imagine he took the money and then probably forgot that he was supposed to write a draft of Clue. And a year later, Landis is like, hey, where are you coming on that? And he's like, oh, crap, I forgot. Uh, I'll just well, return the money. Well, he's also not known for writing mysteries. It's not like he approached Ira Levin or something like that, you know, yeah. like Tom Stoppard. Yeah, that was a, a great writer. Sense. But like, yeah, a bit strange person go to the guy who wrote Death Trap, you know. Totally. Um, then he reached out to, which I assumed this was separate when I saw this trip, this online, Stephen Sondheim and Anthony Perkins, old Norman Bates himself. Right, right, right. Cause they were an item. They, oh, they were. I just heard this recently. Well, I didn't know that, but they wrote this 1973 murder mystery, The Last of Sheila together. This movie with, listen, this cast, James Coburn, Raquel Welch, and Ian McShane. Uh, but this, this must have yeah. been a tiny baby Ian McShane. It, I'm sure it was. But yeah, uh, they'd written this murder mystery. So he reached out to them, but they asked for too much money. Well, Sondheim also quite famously loves mysteries and puzzles, mm. you know, like Sleuth that the Lawrence Olivier character is based partially on Sondheim. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because wow. uh, he was friends with um, uh, Anthony Schaefer, who wrote, um, who wrote Sleuth, Sleuth and, and Murderer. Yeah. And um there's this great interview with Anthony Schaefer where he talks about some like puzzle treasure hunt that like Sondheim sent them on or something that was like out of this world. So like, that's also how his brain works is like mystery writer. He, he had a very famous flop in the nineties. That was a, just a play, a murder mystery play. Um, but Sondheim I, it, did. Yeah. Oh, um, murder. Oh gosh. My parents, I think saw it. This actually ran not long. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember like, uh, whatever that last show of his was like bounce and then whichever whatever it became like wise guys or something like that last musical that just like kind of never solidified as a thing i didn't know there was like a straight play that he wrote Ooh, getting away with murder well there you go is a play oh my gosh you're not ready jeff i'm ready a play written by stephen sondheim and george firth who also wrote the book to company and they collaborated oh, together oh, a lot which ran for 17 performances on Broadway in 1996. You know, more than Moose Murders. Hey. More than High I think, Fidelity. I think my parents Musical. saw this, though, because I remember this playbill. Maybe they wow. saw some other murder thing. Wow. and Because they love a murder mystery. Of course. Who doesn't? So I'll, I'll have to ask them, because it's, it's unlike my dad to have seen a flop and not talk about it. Sure. He loves hearing about, like... I don't think he longs for people to not be successful, but right. I think it's very like, oh my gosh, that only ran nine performances. Well, but it's exciting to be like, I was, was one, one of the only I, people. I saw that American Buffalo revival with John Leguizamo and Cedric the Entertainer and Haley Joel Osment that ran for just you did? over a week. I did. <gasps> I did. And you know what? It was fine. I've seen so much worse, so many worse, yeah. wor so much worse on Broadway. Uh, it wasn't good, but it was, it was certainly watchable. But probably when you have those names too, and if you're, you're not, your advance isn't, your ticket yeah. advance isn't enough, you can't keep paying those salaries, you know? I suppose, I suppose. Leguizamo was great. And Cedric was fine. And Hale Jasmine was, Hale Jasmine, well, he wasn't good, but he had one of the most amazing falls I've ever seen on stage. Oh, get that kid and noises off. Yeah. But like at the end, 
if you don't know American Buffalo, he's like this character, Bobby. He gets like, he's getting like roughed up by John Leguizamo's character. He's, they, they think like, are you hiding something from us? He's like two bit criminals. And he like hits him in the head with, uh, I think it could be with whatever. I think it's, I figured if the stage direction is specified, I think this is an iron in this play, like waxman mm-hmm. with the iron. And he's just like, I don't feel so good, Donnie. And the script is just like, he like, he crumbles to the ground. Haley Charlesman did a face plant and like from where I could see I was like I don't see how he is he's not putting his arms forward he just like as if he had fainted, just completely like blacked out just went wham forward and it was like you could hear the audience gasp and I was like I I don't know which I mean of course you can if you are like known for fight choreography of course you know how to like if you slow down like a jackie chan film and he's like doing a fall you'll see like how people can use their leg or like at the last second their hand to break their fall mm-hmm. before their head hits the ground and hail Jasmine just looked like he landed on his his nose broke <gasps> his fall uh but clearly not because he's he's, right. he's fine uh but it was truly it was like this is even though everything before i was like i don't know what's going on in this performance like that i've never forgotten that crazy crazy fall well wow. The real quick, a couple people in the cast of this uh, getting away, getting with, away murder. with murder, Christine Ebersole and Terrence Mann. Oh, and then Mia Farrow is one of the voices. And then there's other Wait, people. What do you mean one of the voices? It says voice. So I assume. Oh, okay. It was so recorded. she recorded a little. Something, yeah. Something. So to George Firth, Michelle Heard, Frankie Faison. Oh, Frankie um, Faison. Yeah. So Frankie Faison of The Wire and Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. Anyway, we have both stayed on topic and gotten wildly off Yes, topic. we are a little further along than we normally are before we get into the synopsis, <laughs> so let's get into that synopsis. Spoilers ahead. If you have not seen Clue, what are you doing? Go watch it. It's so good. Pause Currently, this it's now. On Prime, I believe. Uh, but regardless, go go watch Clue. It's such, such a delight. Uh, but if you somehow haven't seen Clue and you're still listening to us, uh, here's a brief-ish synopsis. In 1954, six strangers arrive by ominous invitation to a secluded New England mansion. Greeted by Wadsworth the butler and Yvette the maid, each guest receives a pseudonym, Colonel Mustard, Mrs. White, Mrs. Peacock, Mr. Green, Professor Plum, and Miss Scarlet. A seventh guest arrives during dinner, Mr. Body, whom Wadsworth reveals has been blackmailing the others. (gasps) gasp while threatening to expose the guests if he's arrested mr body gives them each a weapon a candlestick a knife a lead pipe a revolver a rope and a wrench like the game (laughs) suggesting that someone kill wadsworth so that their secrets aren't revealed mr body turns out the lights a gunshot rings out and the lights are turned back on to reveal mr body apparently dead double gasp (gasps) (laughs) wadsworth explains that he summoned the guests to force a confession out of mr body and turn him over to the police i will forget this part of tim curry as wadsworth being like my wife committed suicide because she was also being blackmailed which is why i've she had friends who were socialists yeah (gasps) i've seen this movie so many times and i forget so much of the actual plot like i only remember the jokes i only remember like mr michael mckean as mr green like i didn't do it Mm -hmm. uh and all of like the bits just the of course the flames flames and the side of my face uh all the actual plotting like i still could not tell you like when I was con- putting this synopsis together, I was like, this, what? Oh, I could have helped you with that. What happened. Yes, sure, 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 sure. Wadsworth explains that he summoned the guest to force a confession on Mr. Body and turn him over to the police. The group suspects that the cook killed Body, but they find her dead as well, having been stabbed with a dagger. Locker. 
Mr. Body's body disappears, but the guests find his now bleeding body in the bathroom, having been struck on the head with the candlestick, now double dead. Wadsworth locks the weapons in a cupboard. A stranded motorist arrives, and Wadsworth locks him in the lounge. While the guests search the man, how does he keep track of all these keys? He's got all these keys for. I these don't know. He doesn't doors. seem to have a key ring. He's just like there's in this bucket, there's in this bucket. Yeah, he's he's got a. Also, it's pouring rain, like torrential, oh, yeah. almost as though they're on a lot. Almost, hmm. almost. Which I'm sure is a nightmare. Which in terms of the money for like to have it be pouring rain for on your film yeah, set. Yeah, I did look up that the they shot the exteriors in this old mansion in. Uh, Oh, I forget, but somewhere in, in California, like nearish LA. And then um, everything else is on the lot. So, yeah, that makes sense. While the guests search the mansion in Paris, an unknown individual burns the blackmail evidence, unlocks the cupboard, and kills the motorist with the wrench. Discovering a secret passage, Colonel Mustard and Miss Scarlet find themselves locked in the lounge with the motorist's corpse until Yvette shoots the door open with a revolver. Let us in, let us in. Let us out, let us out. <laughs> a cop investigating the motorist's abandoned car arrives to use the phone. After distracting the cop successfully, which is what always haunted me as a, ch- as a kid, as the cop is going to the rooms with the, with the corpses oh. and they're just like using them like mannequins as they are as what is it? It's a Colonel Mustard with the like groping the the dead he's, cook. So he's got he's holding her eyes open, and Mrs. Peacock is behind the curtain doing fingers right. as though she's <laughs> her fingers jaw up his back. Agape. And was it is it Mrs. White on the couch? Yeah, Mrs. Yes, White on the couch with they, Mr. She's Body. She's not even trying to cover up the gaping wound on his forehead. Whoa. She's just like shoving his arm. We were just getting crazy with the strawberry jam. <laughs> And then, of course, Plum and Scarlet are just Making fooling out around they, yeah. while the motorist is just propped up in a chair with a booze bottle in his arm. And it's like, how come this is they're the only ones that like knew like, yeah, put the dead body by himself and act like he's drunk Well, what and grope do? each other. Don't grope the dead body. But that's what they're they're just trying to cover the tracks. I know, see? but just ha- put a booze bottle in all their hands. But she's dressed like, like a cook. If they leave her out there, it's going to be like, what? What's she got the- into the cooking, Sherry. What do you want me to say? Gosh, well, she does have a she's knife not a good literally cook. sticking out of her back. Well, <laughs> nobody's perfect. <laughs> uh so they distract the cop. The guests resume their search until another unknown figure turns off the electricity. Yvette the cop and a singing telegram girl who arrived while the lights are out are all murdered, which that's like one of the best. Most, I mean, of a movie full of iconic moments. That's one of the best, like under 10 second roles I think ever in yeah. a film. I am your singing telegram. Bang. Well, that's also Jane Weedlin of the go-go's. Ooh, yes, yes. So yes. it's really like a, a fabulous cameo. Oh, know? absolutely. Well, I don't know how many people were like, is that, Jane Whelan of the Go-Go's? True, but, you know, it's, it's she's just showing up and, and having a moment that becomes iconic on, on cinema history. Absolutely, absolutely. Wadsworth and the others regroup after he turns the electricity back on, and he reveals he knows who the murderer is. Recreating the night's events, Wadsworth explains that the five other victims were Mr. Body's informants. And we delve into these three different endings, which of course now when you watch are just presented one after the other, but in theaters were originally three different versions of the movie, three different reels mm-hmm. so that you, you would see it with one of these three endings. And I guess in the advertisements for it and like what they would say to the reviews was how they would explain like, Hey, there are 
two Other completely options. different versions you could yeah. see. So Jonathan Lynn, because this was John Landis's idea. So Jonathan Lynn said that Landis thought that what would happen was that people, having enjoyed the film so much, would then go back and pay again and see the other endings. What happened is that the audience decided they didn't know which ending to go to, so they didn't go at all. Because this mm-hmm. was a flop when it first came out. Like, Roger Ebert didn't care for it. Like, a lot of credit. And, and this was a big part of it, was this. But doing them one right after the other. Is a delight. Is perfect. Because it ends, and it's like, that's how it could have happened. But maybe it happened but like what this. What about this? Uh, so here are these three different endings. In the first version, Yvette murdered the cook and Mr. Body on orders from Miss Scarlet. Her employer. Yes. And Scarlet then killed Yvette and the other victims. Planning to sell the guest secrets, Scarlet prepares to shoot Wadsworth, who asserts there are no more bullets. It's one plus one plus two plus one, opposed to two plus... No, there was only one for the chandelier. It means it's one plus two plus one plus one. Uh, and no one plus one plus two plus one. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Forgive me, listener. Uh, but law enforcement raid the house and uh, arrest Miss Scarlet. And Wadsworth attempts to demonstrate the revolver is empty, and the remaining bullet brings down the chandelier, narrowly one missing mustard. One, one plus one plus, plus two plus one. And so uh, Martin Mull, who played Colonel Mustard, because you get two of these times that he like narrowly avoids right. the sh- uh, chandelier. He said that the prop master, who was in charge of having the thing drop also does, I guess, a very, very, very good drunk. So he came up to me right before we were going to do the thing, acting tipsy, and said, God, hope to God, goes all right. Scared the shit out of me. I thought, oh, no, 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 this is no way to go out. Uh, So that's like, how dare you, prop master? But also that's pretty entertaining to like right before to just be like, oh, man. Oh, man. Hold on a regular right. So that's also like seeing because they, they freeze frame on like him, like sure with the chandelier smashing right behind him and knowing that he is thinking like, oh, God, is this <laughs> is it? this the end? Will I never go on to be the principal and Sabrina, the teenage witch? <laughs> <laughs> Will I never make a Mary Kate and Ashley movie? Will I never go on to be Jean Parmesan of Arrested Development? Uh, yes. Uh, but no, he, but he did. But he did. But he Which did is how Blanche. I knew Martin Mull first was as uh, the principal of Sabrina, the teenage witch. I knew him first from this, but then from How the West Was Fun, starring the Olsen twins. How the West Was Fun. Was old Lizzie Olsen in that one? I don't remember. Okay. There's like one of the ones... That one of the ones Elizabeth she's Olsen in, like yeah. is like, and there's our kid sister, but we don't want to be her around because she's going to overtake us in she fame sure is. and well, become no, no, a Marvel no. hero. They now run an incredibly successful. Oh yeah, fashion they're doing line. fine. They're doing fine. They're happy as clams, you know. Yeah, and Elizabeth Olsen is great. killing it, killing it, killing it as that Wanda Maximoff. Uh, so we have we go to our second ending, where it was Mrs. Peacock. All it's along. the best ending because that was the one that you was Mrs. Peacock got the most time to shine. Well. Yeah, she killed all the victims to conceal her taking bribes from foreign powers. She holds the others at gunpoint as they sing. She's a jolly good fellow with, with Madeline, Madeline Kahn doing the desk Mrs. White. It's gorgeous. <laughs> Yeah, it's so silly. Uh, so she leaves and Wadsworth reveals that he's been an undercover FBI agent this whole time sent to investigate her. And while escaping to her car, Mrs. Peacock is intercepted by the police. Like the Canadian Mounties, we always get our man. Mrs. Peacock was a man. Slap, slap. And ending C, of course. Like, But here's how it really happened. This is, let's be real. It's the best ending. Fabulous. Because apart from, Mr. well, I mean, it's the best ending because this is the only ending that has 
Madeline Kahn doing flames on the I side of my face. So much it, flames, flames on the side of my face. Heaving breath, heaving, heaving breath. Which Jonathan Lynn was a real stickler for the lines. Like everything was as it was written, except for this moment. This is the only moment in the movie that is improvised. And she did like the, the I forget one of the other actors said uh either Martin Muller, Michael McKean possibly in this uh retrospective they did on the film that she like each take she did something different and like you could have oh like gosh. and like you could have just kept cutting to other characters looking like what and then back to her like you could have done this even longer it's perfect as is this really is it is the most iconic moment for i me. have a pin that you, you can sure a do? lapel pin a little where she's got the flames on the side of her face you know <laughs> We also, I should say, one of the first, when we started buying, like, specialty COVID masks, being like, okay, I guess if I'm going to buy a reusable mask, I might as well have a little fun with this. I got you a Wadsworth one where mm-hmm. he's in silhouette, and then it says one plus two plus one plus one. And then I got myself an Eileen Brennan with the soup uh, as Mrs. Peacock saying, oh, my, the soup's delicious, isn't it? You know, there's uh, there's a lot out there, folks. There's a lot out there. I think I think we've got to do that for the our Instagram photo for this week is we also have to add the masks. Oh, you'll do the peacock with right. your mask and I'll, I'll do my suit. I don't know how I'm going to eat my soup and with put my on mask, mask, but I'm going to give it a try. Well, you can just hold the spoon up as if you're about to eat the soup. Yeah. 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 Uh, and you listener, you're hearing this from the past. So this will be reversed. So if you do follow us on Instagram, which that's the reason, if you don't realize Instagram, we don't just say, here's a blank statement of Heck, here's no, the movie we're doing next week. Into this no, stuff. Here's a fun, stupid, stupid, stupid photo of us doing what we can with the outfits and props that we have in our apartment to recreate we've not bought a dang thing for these and we never will so (laughs) never have never will uh (laughs) but yeah so for this ending apart from mr green everyone has killed at least one person and wads reveals that he's the one that who shot the singing telegram girl you and that he is the real mr body (gasps) then who did i kill my butler Ah, oh, oh, nuts. nuts. That's right. Yeah. Is it nuts or shucks? Shucks. No, I think you're, I think nuts. I think, or, sh- or shucks. I think it's shucks. Well, either way, it's, it's a great, way, it's, a great it's great one of my reading. favorite moments of Christopher Lloyd as Professor Palmer in this film. It is because it's so, all right, ah, nuts. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So that he actually killed Mr. Body's butler. We'll get to it. Imagining leaving's. Imagine that leaving is a, uh, yeah, this Brooklyn, Brooklyn butler. It's the Brooklyn requiring butler. a lot. It's requiring a lot of me imaginatively. <laughs> Oh, yeah, of course. I'll get right on that, buttle, buttle, yeah, buttle. Yeah, Mr. Wadsworth, anything you say. I love a neat kitchen. Imagining a butler, him as Mr. as Wadsworth, him being just I like, like to please think, get the bodies out of the kitchen. I like to think that if he's really the butler, he's actually a Brit who is then putting on this persona oh, for this that's night. Oh, that's great. It's that like is a great. The butler's night on the town. That is a great theory for this film. That he is you. actually British, and that's why his Brooklyn accent is so his New York accent is not because so that's how leaving talks. <laughs> no, because that's what a British man <laughs> thinks that this is how this is how an American talks. Yeah, that's me, huh, Mister Body. <laughs> uh, so with his spies and informants disposed of, Wadsworth plans to continue blackmailing the guests, and Mr. Green draws his own revolver that he's had this whole time, which also implies that all these people have been getting murdered, and he is like has had a gun and is just happy to like he's playing let the it go long on. game. Yes, but the long game involves so many people getting murdered. You're right. I'm not. I'm not saying Green's in the clear here. 
Apparently he is though, because he he kills he kills Wadsworth with the gun in the hallway. Uh, if you want to know who shot Mister Body, <laughs> I did in the hall with the revolver. The revolver reveals himself to be an undercover FBI agent, and then opens the front door, bringing in the authorities to arrest the others. Uh, and I'm only a guest. And then ends by saying, "Okay, Chief, take him away. I'm gonna go home and sleep with my wife." What a last line. Yes. So good. So good. Michael McKean, underrated because he has like such so much less to do. I mean, he has so much to do in terms of that. He's so clumsy and is like the runner of I didn't do it. Um, But it feels like he's the straight man in many ways of where people get showier things to do. And this is a great the the Miss Peacock ending of like Miss Peacock was a man Mm -hmm. and this ending are so nice. How his body language completely changes once he's like, I was the FBI agent the whole time. And the voice. Yeah. Everything shifts. So there was actually a fourth ending. Tell me about it. Scripted and partially shot. It might've been abandoned mid shooting because Jonathan just feel like I have read about this, but it's been a minute. It's probably been since the 30th anniversary. So in this version, Wadsworth committed all of the murders yes. out of a twisted need for perfection in his life. And he reveals that he poisoned everyone with a slow acting toxin in their drinks. So everyone dies or is about to. And then we just don't see that. So the police and the FBI arrive and Wadsworth is arrested, but he breaks free and steals a police car. But his escape is thwarted when three police dogs lunge from the back seat to kill him i have totally read about this yeah it's and very dark lynn thought it was just a bit too bleak so it was like you know what we're good with just these three endings and those three endings should have all just been the one actual ending well, the way it's presented bit. today which i'm glad i mean i don't know how you could release this film on video or dvd and not and, do and, that. and to be yeah to be like here's the definitive ending and then the other two will make like bonuses like no it, it, this is so much more fun to do it this way it's also this is the thing that really trades on what the game does which is the, the random assortment of things oh, yeah. that it could be absolutely the cast and directors of clue were our good pals jane jenkins hey. and jane and hershenson hey queens the queens of and almost starring week <laughs> after week truly when we watched it this time i was like oh, jane jenkins and janet hershenson <laughs> Emmy nominees for casting the TV movie Iron Jawed Angels. Jenkins and Hershenson has, have also cast previous episodes The Princess Bride, Beetlejuice, Jurassic Park, Ghost, Toy Story, Hook, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and A Few Good Men. This makes nine. We better give them a ticker tape parade for number 10. Da, 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 da. For she, for this, she, there's a good, jolly good fellows. For there's some jolly good fellows. <laughs> doesn't work with plural. Uh, let's move on to some of the actors <laughs> who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all a little subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance. And Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. Yay. Let's kick it off with Miss Scarlet. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Leslie Ann Warren and her hair, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Okay, I'd like to start by saying her hair is not her fault at all. Okay. It is just looking now, like mm-hmm. like some of the television shows we watch, like say a Perry Mason okay. or a Mad Men mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm. where they take such care to make sure the hair is period the problem of when a movie is set in the 50s but made in the 80s but the design of 
everything else is so incredible yes. on this film that like the costumes are sumptuous. The house is like so ridiculously put together, you know, yeah. they couldn't have got her a wig. <laughs> That's my question. It just feels like she could have had a wig like, a, or, or just could have been styled a more, more like a 50s. statement than a question, but could have I- she had a wig? <laughs> could they have gotten her a wig? That's my question. Um, I think she is delightful. I loved Leslie and Warren growing up because you guessed it. Fairy tale oh theater. Oh my God. In what? What was she doing? She is the lead dancing princess oh. in the tale of the dancing princesses. The tale of Opposite Leslie and Warren. Peter Weller. Oh, of course. You have mentioned this before. Oh, which yeah. is also whenever you Roy imagining Robocop's Peter Weller showing up in fairy tale theater is terrifying. Look, he's Peter a scalawag. Terrifying to imagine. It's it's like imagining you're like, oh yeah. Yeah, don't you know Jack and the Beanstalk? And Jack was Lance Henriksen. Who Here, did play Jack? There's Goldilocks and, Jack and, and the, the Three Beanstalk. Little Bears and Goldilocks, as you guessed it, Ron Perlman. <laughs> Goldilocks was Tatum O'Neill, baby. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, yeah, so she is that. She is in the Dancing Princesses, and I will right, right, say right. this is the episode of Fairytale Theater. Oh. My brother, it was his favorite. Okay. We watched it so many ding dang dong you times. B- practically i was like how can i hide this from him i loved this episode but we it was too many times but also the rogers and hammerstein cinderella yes, yes, yes. that she started we yep. watched because that was one that aired when my mother was an adolescent a child and adolescent and so oh. like she that's the one that we grew up watching with ginger rogers etc you know so anyway um knew her and loved her from all that um I really like her in this. If I'm honest, she is maybe my least favorite of the oh. seven. I yeah. I mean, it's it's hard if you're gonna start trying to rank them that yeah. way. You know, she is because very so, funny. So but some of the others are. I mean, Madeline Kahn is a legend yeah. for a reason. You know, and like Leslie and Warren is very funny. And like, please don't get me wrong. Yeah, she is my Mrs. We'll, my we'll, Miss Scarlet. We'll but. get into it. I'll say that she was the last one to be that she was a last minute replacement. So she had a lot less time to prepare than the others did. There you so go. that might also yeah. be a part of why. I mean, why... it's hard too when they've written this like funny femme fatale, you know. But mm. I I feel like I see the effort in her more than I do with the others. Okay. Um, but I love her. Like, let's yeah. be clear. I was trying to think of who are people that are very funny that also can pl- can play at the femme fatale thing while also embodying it. Um, so I was like, oh, like Megan Mullally is one of the funniest people on the Perfection. face of the planet. Incredible. So funny. Incredible casting. Yes. Yeah. Very yeah. like totally sexy, but also just mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh. A clown. Like, a perfect a, clown. An absolute clown. Um, I thought maybe like an Eartha Kit if this were made earlier, you know, <laughs> so sexy, but also hilarious, you know, like li- her, her. As Do you like Yzma? Kipling, Miss Scarlet? I'll eat anything. I'll eat anything. Like it's perfect. And then. Why would he want to kill her in public? <laughs> like he, oh. I think he meant he was going to, he threatened in public to kill her. How do you know what kind of pictures oh. they are if you're such a lady? <laughs> um, It works for me. It works. Maybe like a Tony Collette. Sure. You know, yeah. um, Maya Rudolph, someone who's very funny. Yes. I feel like she would play Sex Kitten yes, very yes, funnily. Yes, yes, yes. And then uh, Catherine Hahn, you know. Oh, also, I love it. Just love like it. someone who is like, I'm going to play this like Madam Energy. It was Scarlet all along. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically you want someone who is like, I can use 
my sensuality as a tool, know that I'm using it as a tool, and also use it comedically in addition yeah. to all the other things she has to do. And let's also be clear, like, Leslie M. Warren does that very, very well. Like, yeah. th that's, like, the way she, like, weaponizes her sexuality, I think, is, like, the strongest thing about this performance. It's it's really, you know what it is? It's some of the reaction takes where I really see her, like, acting harder than the rest of them. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Okay. So, mm -hmm. that's that's that, but... Yeah. I love it. I love, love it. Uh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. A great, great picks, great picks. Yeah. And uh, she was coming off of her, as of yet, only Oscar nomination for Victor Victoria, which oh, I've right, not right. seen the film of. But uh, uh, if I had to cast someone else uh, who I thought would be really good, because we just rewatched another film that you and I have watched a bajillion times together, another 80s comedy, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, I think Glenn Headley oh. would have crushed. Thinking of her specifically in the turn at the end of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, yes. where she gets to be the real, like, no, let's I'm the one, and let's go get him. I was like, that, I think she'd be so good. Also, we've been... Or I've been watching old Murder Dirter, Mayor of East Town, imagining Gene Smart as Miss Scarlet. <gasps> Now, did you watch, have we talked about this, that man who came to dinner that was on PBS? Uh, I, back when, <laughs> back when you would rent Netflix DVDs in the mail, I rented it once during college and then once, I think while we were together, because that's how long I was still getting Netflixes oh, wow. in the mail. I rented it multiple times because I love it so much with Nathan Lane, Harriet Harris, Gene Smart. I, um, I wish I could have seen Aaron it live. And I Incredible. Taped it off the television. We watched it a bajillion times, and then when we went to go see Thoroughly Modern Millie on Broadway, we staged doored it because we were young. You know, we could do that still. We staged doored it when Harriet Harris came out. We said like we loved you and made a kid to dinner. She's like, oh, you saw it. We're like, well, on T we on TV because <laughs> we're just you know from another uh, region. They had a live penguin in that show. Yes, that actor ended with a cute little penguin just going coming out onto the stage. I was like, how absolute dare you? But yeah, Jean Smart. Jean Smart. But anyway, in that and show, so Miss Scarlet. she's so, Miss so Scarlet. sexy. She's so commanding yeah. and so funny. That's so funny. great. If this is the 90s version, so if this came like uh, 12 years later, give me that Catherine Keener, Miss Scarlet. Oh, that's Around being fun. John Malkovich or Miss Scarlet. Uh, and made today is like, I'm trying to think of someone you're like, who is, you're like, yes, this is person is striking that you could be weaponizing that sexuality. Give me Gemma Chan. That's what oh, I want. She's possibly like one of the most beautiful people that has ever walked planet earth. Yeah. It's like Gemma Chan and Angelina Jolie. And there's just people <laughs> you're like, the most symmetrical faces that have yeah. existed. <laughs> uh, so one other performer that was up for this role who was cast was Carrie Fisher. <gasps> so according to an interview with Jonathan Lynn, Carrie Fisher was originally cast until she ended up in rehab four days before filming started. Four days. And she called Lynn and she and Jonathan Lynn was saying that he's like, I'm I'm British. Like, I didn't know that everyone in Hollywood was doing cocaine. So like he said, like she was like, like fell down at one of our meetings. And he was like, I just she was like, oh, it's allergy. Ow, she keeps sniffing. He's like, I've got allergies. And he's like, oh, OK. And Carrie Fisher said, no, it's OK. I'll go to rehab. They'll let me out during the day to film and I'll just go back at night. And he was like, oh, OK. And he like asked the producers like, that's a thing that happens. And the producer who's like, I think was also doing cocaine was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And some other producer like, oh, sure. Until the insurance people were like, yeah, absolutely no, not. no. And Jonathan was like, oh, and then I was the only one not surprised when the insurance people were like, absolutely not. So, yeah. 
it, this was I love 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 Carrie Fisher. This was clearly it. You know, not not yeah. not one of the good points for Carrie Fisher. No, but she would have been hilarious. Would have been great. She would have been like the biggest name. One yeah. of, probably oh, the sure. biggest name at the it's time. Like her and Christopher Lloyd. But even Christopher Lloyd, like is this is re- back to the this future. This is the same year as Back to the Future. Wow. So he's mainly the guy from Taxi. He's mainly Reverend Jim from Taxi at this Which point. Which was huge, but not the same as a movie star. Not the same as Star Wars' yeah. Carrie Fisher. What was, yeah. And I mean, Eileen Brennan had like an Oscar nomination for Private Benjamin, but still, <sighs> Carrie Fisher would have been like the big, big name for of the cast. sure, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think she'd have been, she would have crushed. I think she would have crushed. Uh, that was very sad that, you know, yeah. whatever. It is what it is. Uh, and I think Leslie Warren for coming in four days before. And that was like four days before they were supposed to start, start filming was she was still saying I could just come in on the days and I'll just go back to rehab at night. So wow. I don't know of when actually Leslie and Warren joined, if it was like before, like after filming started. Or if they, yeah, or like, they started what? filming all the like the Wadsworth thing? stuff. Maybe. I mean, know? they're all there for so much of the film. Yeah, it's an ensemble. It is, which was, you know, I think Martin Mull was saying it's like normally like you'll get a movie and you'll be like, oh, well, this actor that I love and oh, that's exciting to work with them. And you're like, oh, I get four scenes with them. And then the rest of the time you're like, you don't see right. them. Opposed to this when they're all there together the for so much time. so they could barely keep it together this whole film because oh, they were sure. having Can such you a imagine ball. being on this set with all these incredibly funny people then being incredibly funny it was let me find it michael mckean is the one because they would just crack each other up so much so he was the one that started this before each take he would say to everyone something terrible has happened here before they would go action, <laughs> which would then become that would also then become funny that before each one like, like remember something terrible has happened here. Uh, but as a way to be like, you know, as he said, you're living in a fake world, but you try to make it real. It's not funny if it doesn't mean too much to the people it's happening to. It has to be completely life or death. Uh, which I I love. I love that as a refrain. It's like something terrible has happened here. I mean, it might as well be the like, I didn't do it. Yep. <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, but let's move on to Yvette. So Amy, your thoughts on Colleen Camp and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I think she's great. Perfection. She's so funny. We've seen this so many times and I've never, I've never remember that she's not actually French. This stupid in, in that, the, French as the character. Now, at the, at the very end when she gets killed, that she drops the when accent. When she says, it's you, basically when it's not the whispered ADR, when she says, it's you, she seems to be French again. Mm. It's you. Mm. Maybe French Canadian. I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I must go home to Quebec. Um, uh, incredible um yeah it's uh, I, that always puzzled me i was like what are we what are we supposed to extrapolate from this you know well, i think Which, it's that she's playing a role as well That's, then we never know. got to see mr body aka the butler dropping his brooklyn accent to be like I, yeah, leaving. You you think leaving would have dropped that and been like, "Oi, that's right." It's no, I think alone. someone else would have done it in ADR. Exactly. You bring in Michael Caine just to ADR, <laughs> just those lines. <laughs> and not just me. Oh, they whacked on the body. Yeah, more Mister Body. Anyway, um, uh, I think she is delightful. She's so funny. Like, and and what's great too is you 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 have her and Scarlett, who are both like quote-unquote sexy characters like very yeah. different and very differently to the way that madeline khan is using that and the way that eileen brennan is not you yeah, know yeah. like so <laughs> but it is 
also like growing up, I didn't realize like how ridiculous this costume was. Like how much it is a farce yeah. of a French maid of in every, an adult film. All of the men, except for Mr. Green, because we didn't get to it, but like when they're like, why they're being blackmailed all the things. And Mr. Green like volunteers, like I am a homosexual. Wadsworth is looking through the page, just like, I don't have that here. So you have all the men, like everyone just being like, let's pair up and like, I'll, I'll choose a vet. Like I'll choose a vet. And Mr. Green's like, I'm good. No, thank you. Uh, no, thank you. And everyone else's just faces are like, this was into her decollage. Yeah. This was Max Jenkins in our version, who is brilliant on many different television shows. He's on that Deborah Messing show. Um, what Deborah Messing show? Some Deborah Messing show. I don't know if that Deborah Messing show still exists. I don't know if it does, but it did. <laughs> Many Deborah Messing shows used to exist. Will and Grace. Uh, the, Not that the, one. The, what was it? The Personal Mysteries of Laura. The Mysteries of Laura. Oh, maybe it was Mystery. Yeah. He wa- uh, he starred as Max Carnegie in NBC's comedy drama detective series, The Mysteries of Laura. That's great. That has not been on the air for quite some time. Well, I didn't ever watch it when it was. No offense. Uh, just no never offense. did. Um, anyway, back to Yvette. I think she's great. Who else would I pick? Um, maybe like a Jennifer Coolidge would be very oh, funny. Um, you know, it, love it. Who's someone who's like, I'm used to using my cleavage for laughter. Um, a young Christine Ebersole, maybe even. Oh, she did a sure. lot of like, you know, like. Honestly, give me Christine Baranski. Christine Baranski. Doesn't she, didn't she do French in a, that, the, the. On Boeing, Bowen Boeing, Boeing on Broadway. Yeah. Also starring Catherine yeah. Hahn. Mel- and she's a tall, leggy dame, that Christine Baranski. She'd be a better peacock, I think. But she's, yes, but in 85, like today, that's true. today she'd like, be, thinking about today her, her origin smart as Mrs. Oh, peacock. Oh, yeah, thinking about but her in, in the in the birdcage when it's all legs, you know, like, and yeah. she's just like, I got yeah. these gams to dance and that's upon. A, and that's over, a, that's 11 years after this. So yeah. imagining her 11 years younger, I mean, give me, yeah. Come on. Christine Baranski, let her be that sex symbol. We want her to be. Um, I... I've seen very little Modern Family, but it seems like Sofia Vergara is oh. already kind of doing this character on yeah. Modern Family or a version of it. Yeah. So she and she's hilarious. Um, if it were made in the 90s, like a Kristen Johnston, you know, oh, sure. like just very yeah. funny, very funny people who also I'm just like, yeah, I want to see them romp around being stupid in this tiny costume with a French accent. I love know? that. Yeah. Sofia Vergara, such a good pick. I was thinking like a pre-fame Selma Hayek of like that, mm-hmm. you know, when you're like, it makes sense that yeah, she's eighth build opposed to like, why is someone right, like in this teeny right. tiny role? Uh, or I mean, also a pre Mad Men Christina Hendricks of just like when totally before these people are famous. Or speaking of that bone Boeing, uh, Mary McCormick. Mary McCormick did occur to me as the well. The German of just like this tall, severe, who is blonde. That performance. Okay, I will say Catherine Hahn. I. This also is, in that Boeing Boeing. Yeah, no, exactly. Catherine Hahn in that Boeing Boeing was was funny, but funnier in act two. That character also bears the brunt of a lot of exposition. She plays the American. And I was like, she's funny, but I didn't quite get it until she was like totally ridiculous off the wall in act two. Mary McCormack, from the moment she entered till the moment she exited, I was like, I am buying everything you're selling and I would like to buy three of each, please. Like, and so funny. There's a reason she got a Tony nomination for that. But yeah, no. I thought of her too. Cause she's just like, I, yeah. it's like to see someone who is known for TV be that funny on a stage was, yeah. Oh, tremendous. Yeah. I'm yeah. Cause I'll, that show, then the other two actors along with all that murderous row of, of female actors of Christine Baranski, Catherine Hahn. Oh, Gina Grishon as well. Gina Grishon. And then Mark Rylance and Bradley Whitford. Yeah. You could transport them all into a version of Cliff. I would. All of them would be. Absolutely. 
Only would watch crush. that. Would crush. Incredible. Uh, but uh, yeah, those were the people that I thought would be good for Colleen Camp. Eager to earn the part, Colleen Camp went to her audition in a French maid costume, <laughs> uh, which is like, but for this and like for Jonathan Lid was, I think, very tickled by that. Because that can either go incredibly poorly right. where you're like, what are you thinking? Or it's like, you know what? That's hilarious. For Good this, for you. it works. When, it, so when it was Sean Young trying to get cast as Catwoman, so she was dressed as Catwoman, like running around the Hollywood lot trying to find Tim Burton while he was locked away, terrified to be like, I don't know how to get say no to this person. Uh, that that's a that's a big no. That's a big no. But for here, it worked, uh, and he was asked because the the script did not specify that Yvette was supposed to have such a bountiful bosom. bosom. Did he? So he was asked, did Camp's considerable decolletage play any role in casting her? And he said, not really. I mean, the bosom is there. There was no avoiding it. That it was like, we're going to clearly work with it. Sure. Because it's like, why wouldn't you? We're not going to hide that. And I think that just does add so much more to the film. It just is so silly of all plum and mustard just always just being like totally well i remember when we did it at 54 below i got a laugh on my entrance as peacock because she doesn't have any lines on her intern on her entrance right it's just like the take she does to the decolletage that i did to lauren adams who's on kimmy schmidt like to lauren adams's decolletage it's like that got a laugh because it was like oh right she doesn't even have a (laughs) have an entrance line i thought you said max jenkins was the event no max jenkins was mr green Oh, Yvette I was Lauren Adams you. and, and Sarah Chase you. also from Kimmy Schmidt. Two of the mole I women. Uh, 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 Sarah Chase played uh, Professor Plum. Right, 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 right. I understand. So, as for the actors who were considered for Yvette, right off the bat, Je- a young Jennifer Jason Lee was considered. She, uh, was she considered for everything considered we for- ever <laughs> talk about? Literally everything we Truly, ever talked about. I want to say like half the episodes. You tell me she was up for something, and sometimes I'm like, I don't oh, know yeah, if sure. it was half. Um, Maybe it's just that the most recent ones I've been like. Wow why she just always reads so teeny tiny to me and maybe yeah. that's not the case maybe it's just from like seeing her you know in hateful eight when she's surrounded by men right. and whatever but she reads small to me which is like i feel like what that's one of the things you want with the maid is for them to be a looming presence well at least the way that they've then shot it you know well here. that they sh- shoot it and the heels that you put on her but Jennifer yeah. Jason Lee is like i don't know love jennifer Jason Lee, but i could see her honestly more like more of a t- in today like in, as like a mrs white or as whatever mm-hmm. uh and that sound means it's time to play a quick round of two truths and some guy or in this case two truths and some person gender is dead the way it works two of the following actors were up for the role of a vet and one was not and amy joe is to guess which is which your options are Fran Drescher, <laughs> Demi Moore, uh-huh. and Madonna. Interesting. I'm going to go Demi Moore. I'm sorry. That is incorrect. Any of them could be right. Um, Madonna. I'm sorry. That is incorrect. As far as I can tell, Fran Drescher, not considered I thought that was such event. a weird choice that she had to be up for And it. that's how I got you. Dang it. Dang it. Dang it. You've I just understood the idea of imagining Fran Drescher trying to do a French accent. I love Fran Drescher, but I mean, come on. The nanny trying oh, to do a French accent. Oh, wee wee, madame. <laughs> no, merci, I'm a late. I can't even know I'm from the South. Oh, no. <laughs> merci, I'm a lady. Wee oui, wee, oui, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, no. 
Uh, but Demi Moore and Madonna were this Demi Moore. I mean, Demi Moore, I was like, that makes the most sense. Of course, they probably went with her, but right. I'm just picking who's a beautiful person we could pick. 1985 was St. Elmo's Fire. So mm-hmm. she's like, just like, okay, you are now going to be a star. You're of uh, the brat pack we're building and we're gearing up for like about last night. And then we're to ghost opposed to, like, you know, Colin Camp was never leading a no, ghost type film. Her main thing she's known for probably i mean she's been in so many so many films totally but like i remember seeing her in something where she had like two lines you know like this sure. is this is by far the thing that i would say at least people from our generation but yeah. i would guess most people know her performance from i'd agree with that and madonna i feel that that's distracting because like yeah. I, I guess this wasn't maybe i don't know if where this was in the realm of like when she was superstar madonna but to have it be Colleen Camp where you're like, this is someone who I've seen in like Apocalypse Now in a small role like this, uh, opposed yeah. to like this Madonna. is pop star well, it's Madonna. A, of all the parts that is not like a board game character, mm-hmm. it's the biggest part. I guess other than Wadsworth. Wadsworth. That doesn't, yeah. you know. But, but yeah. like. Other than that, this is the other is, major role. Yeah, I mean, she's totally in the ensemble, you know. She's just not in the sure. endings because she dies. Absolutely. But like, honestly, I could see Madonna as Miss Scarlet. Uh, yeah actually i could so see that totally um but i think it worked out for the best because this was the same year that she did desperately seeking susan instead which i believe that was her film debut i think she got a golden globe nomination Mm. for that and or or, or rosanna arquette did maybe maybe madonna didn't but either way it was still like that's a that seems like a better use of her be honest i didn't even know she was in it so in what Desperately seeking Oh, Desperately Susan. Seeking Susan. She's the Susan, the titular well, Susan. There you go. The Rosanna Arquette is like, who is this fabulous person that I, this, you know, frumpy housewife, whatever, want to now emulate and seek who's now gone missing. Um, I've not seen Desperately Seeking Susan. I'm pretty sure that's the plot. Anyway, <laughs> those were here in the two people. I would believe part. whatever you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and then she gains these superpowers. Oh, uh, interesting. And then Fran Dresser shows up trying to be French. <laughs> Wow. I'm desperately seeking Susan. Wee wee. Uh, that was not a friend dresser either. Let's move on to <laughs> Wadsworth. Amy Joe, what are your thoughts on that Tim Curry? And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? He's perfect. It's literally when I think of Tim Curry, this is this is what I think of. First. Yes. Yes. I know for some it might be Rocky Horror or what? I mean. Muppet Treasure Island. Muppet Treasure Island. Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2. Or Annie. True. We got Annie. For a lot of people, though, that's that is, you know, getting uh, handed gum as a tip. Uh, For sure. But this is to me. He's so good. And it is also why I love this movie. It gets better and better as it goes. That is that opening is like. I, I don't care for the joke of like he stepped in dog poo and now everyone is looking at like, what's that smell? Is it on my shoe? I'm like, yeah. this is not this is not getting funnier as it goes. But whereas most of the jokes that they repeat throughout just get funnier and funnier as they mm-hmm. go. But this last like half hour that is just him running around working up like into a fever of him being like, I know what happened. Picked up the dagger. Is a trying to imagine what this was like to film is Truly. bananas. And also because of like, how dare they? have this one joke that in the blackout when the power's out that wadsworth is like like oh what's this doorknob and it's a shower and now he's wet the entire and last he's <laughs> wet for so much of it i'm like so much of this filming is tim curry you know before every take they were like come on we gotta spray you down that again squishy foley of his shoes nightmare. coming down the stairs How- was like, <laughs> it makes me laugh every that, time to be fair, that is real good <laughs> 
but you know he's just like getting splashed in the face with water for every single take for for weeks for weeks of filming i was like that how dare you put in this stupid because i was like it's not even like he was out in the rain it's not there's no plot reason outside of like i'll be funny if he is like in the he gets wet in the shower another door oh how dare they how dare they but yeah i mean he's he's iconic and every single thing he does in the back when he like when he runs (laughs) he, he has like the lights go out to replicate the uh mr body dying and the lights come on they scream like comes on and now he's on the ground and then it's just like he flips over and it's like and then this happened mm-hmm. he it's so good or when he then like falls out of the meat locker as again, the cook into and, mr and green's mr. hands who just drops, drops him, him and then we cut down him and, by this time she's <laughs> dead it's so well calibrated it's so funny this is also shortly after he was filming annie by day doing amadeus at night so maybe only doing this movie felt like a walk in the park you know wow 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 yeah can you imagine like rooster hannigan is not the biggest role you're not in every scene but you're still doing eight shows a week you're still there at the theater it's still you know you've got a big number you know and then you're you're like your, well, he was playing Amadeus. He was filming Rooster. Sorry, I got myself turned around. I here. get yes. it. So you're no, doing that's a, a huge role. You're, you're probably only film. You're not filming every day. That's no. that's the thing. Correct. He probably is only filming wh- whatever a hand you know. either. But however they did that, either, you know, still, you're either filming only a few days a week, or you're like all concentrated within like, okay, these next two weeks are gonna suck. Yeah, and all of his well, because also they had to rehearse because they were doing musical numbers. You know, like the Easy Street oh, sequence sure. in the sure, movie sure, sure, is sure. elongated, much to some people's chagrin, not because the number isn't great, but because they don't like the shenanigans. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say first choice, Michael Yuri. Um, uh, he, uh, I mean, listener, I, I we don't want to. I don't want to keep just being like you should have been there, but you should have been there. Michael Yuri is Mr. Body. Here's the deal. Incredible. If if this film didn't exist. And it was like, here, let's give this material to someone. It would still require certain things of the performer. There's some of these roles that could go a number of different ways, but this still has this last half hour tour de force, you know? And Michael is so funny and and so comedically gifted and such a total clown. Yeah. Ugly Betty's Michael Yuri. Yes. For those who somehow don't know him. I mean, he really, he really is like such a theater darling these past like however many years of He's incredible. Torch song and buyer and seller buyer and seller like yeah. so 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 many things but it is like i keep waiting for like him when are someone's gonna, someone gonna put yeah. him in like a big film or like a big splashy tv show and maybe they did and i'm just unawares of it off the top of my head but like he's one of the most incredible live comedic performers incredible. i've ever seen truly unbelievably skilled not just like gifted but skilled and it, it, like and then i got to do this with him where he just was off the hook so funny so anyway my first choice michael um after that i don't know i have other thoughts here's the thing wadsworth there's nothing in the script that says he has to be english that's true everyone else very true is american yeah they all this takes place in new england but they all live or work in uh dc so it's like they had to drive up quite a ways to get to this place so there's nothing other than the fact that he's a butler and they cast Tim Curry that says this guy has to be English. So I have some Brits, but I'm also like, you know, a young Kevin Klein oh, would be hilarious. Okay. Also tremendous uh, comedic sure. performer, physical. Yeah. He could do a British accent if that was the flavor that they wanted. Yeah. Um, 
I thought if this were more today, like Andrew Scott is oh, would be a, one would of be my perfect. favorite actors of all time. You hot know? Priest is Hot Butler. I'm into it. Hot Priest is Hot Butler. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I, I have some other... That is, it's like you want the chaos energy contained within the form of being a butler yeah so that he is like you so it's the threat threat act is such a delight because it's not just like this prim and proper butler is now running around it's that like you you're waiting for this because it's tim curry yeah. you've already seen him as dr frankenfurter and now it's like what he's going to be this stuffed shirt butler it's like no you no. want him running around being no. a madman uh and andrew scott would rule as that yeah those were I have other thoughts, but those are my those are my my faves. Here's one that I'm surprised that I'm the one to recommend this person and not you. But in 1985, give me Raul Julia. Oh, how did I miss it? Think it of Gomez Adams of like I'm prim and proper Gomez Adams, but you're like, but you're also you know what a lady killer acquitted, acquitted uh, <laughs> with the cigar that I could see him like getting where he's like so debonair and then getting him like so kerfuffled and by then the end. Joan Cusack as Scarlet. Joan Cusack what as Scarlet. What have I been doing not recommending the obvious what choices? What are we thinking? Gosh. <laughs> made, I mean, he'd be too big in 85, but I could see the Michael Caine version of this. This Certainly. is made some decade earlier. Made more recently, I think Billy Porter would be incredible. <gasps> Billy Porter is just like, that's <laughs> me as the butler. No way. That's all I am, just the butler. And then like, over here. And then, <laughs> oh, this happened. Um, would be a delight. Or, it, similar of like I wanted the chaos energy, but like the, who you can have him contained until it breaks forth. David Tennant. Oh, that's great. I too. might like Andrew Scott even more, but that's who I had originally thought of was mm-hmm. David David Tennant. Today, I think would be the is like the one to to carry the torch of Tim Curry in that realm. Mm. Um, but I think all all of your picks are so 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 good. Tim Curry has cited this as one of his favorite movies of his own, which I mean, da 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 doy. It also seems like such a great time filming it, which also I, I know must color, of course, so many actors' experiences. Whether or not it was received well, if you had a good time doing yeah. it, I I remember like someone talking to me about something like, oh yeah, but like that seems like it went well. I was like, did it? Because I had a, a nightmare horrifying to film. A nightmare experience to on. Right. on said production, you know. I'm like, oh, I, I guess, yeah, good things came out of that, but I was miserable, so I've forgotten <laughs> all of that. Yeah, yeah, it's a big difference, you know. Yeah. Well, that's you know, very often is like, oh, wait, I had a dream working on this movie where we filmed in the Caribbean, and every day was a dream, and mm-hmm. uh, the movie itself was garbage, but I had a great time a good... making it. Uh, I didn't see it. Uh, <laughs> opposed to the ones where you're like, oh, yeah, it came out great because it was was uh you know months and months and months of filming in like in mud of just like it was a what a dark depressing film so it became a beautiful oscar-winning movie but uh my filming experience of it was uh living in wet mud for months uh but as for this jonathan lynn had known tim curry since they were teenagers and personally asked him to be in the movie And he said, quote, I was exhausted at the end of the movie. I actually had a sort of incident of high blood pressure towards the end when all the conclusions were happening because I was running around like a mad person. They took me to the doctor and I had to take pills for a week. My blood pressure was so high, which was very tiresome. (laughs) That's such an English way of putting that, which was very tiresome. I know. So Jonathan Lynn had originally wanted... Uh, this actor Leonard Rossiter who was in 2001 A Space Odyssey and Barry Lyndon he's Sourberry in that 60s Oliver movie 
I knew that that would make you. <laughs> I, I, how do I know that that was the sound you would make? Was, well, look, uh, my like, n- not my like community theater musical theater debut was playing Charlotte Sourberry. So th- I was very invested in the Sourberries. Now you're a Sourberry expert. Yes. Uh, so he and Jonathan Lynn, which I, I, I couldn't tell from my internet perusal, but I believe that Jonathan might have been directing him in a revival of the dark comedy loot in the West End mm. in 1984. And Jonathan Lynn said, one of the funniest men I've ever worked with. Unfortunately, he dropped dead in the middle of act one of loot, like waiting to go on. He just dropped dead backstage. Oh. So, that put a kibosh on casting him as Wadsworth. But I was like, that is how traumatizing whoa. for everyone. Yeah. That is rough. Oh. That is real rough. Uh, I, I forgot to look up of how old he was at the time. If this was like a real shock shock or if he was, I mean, even, even being in his sixties is still like a shock. And I can't yeah. imagine that he was in his seventies for Wadsworth, but he was, you know, two thousand space odyssey is in the sixties. So, but Yeah. Very, very disappointing. Then John Cleese was considered. He's on my longer list. Which I get, but I see that all in Acts 1 and 2. But I don't see John Cleese running around that madcap Act 3 energy. Well, I mean, Even him and Fish Called Wanda. It's like, that's not the. But that's also like 10 years later, you know? Like, it's it's very much more hearkening back to what he was doing in the Python sketches, you know? But he also has a much. I see Terry Gilliam. Yeah. Or not Terry Gilliam. Terry Jones. More, uh. Uh, in terms of the pythons just thinking of the ones that are like the more chaos energy right i i see him just thinking of faulty towers Mm -hmm. he just has a much angrier energy whereas tim curry it's never the the zaniness is not born of rage you know oh i getcha i getcha uh and then he jonathan lynn wanted rowan atkinson (gasps) wow how'd i miss that how did i miss (laughs) that i'm really dropped the ball on this app but the studio was said like, no. Well, they, no, no one guy? knew him. Yeah, of course. Pre Mr. Bean, oh, which that was what made him such a Ben. Yeah. Well, so, and and pre Blackadder too. No, no. So Blackadder had started in '82. Oh, because it also I had think gaps. It's later 80, that's well, because what it there is, are like then. gaps between the the different the series of Blackadder, but Blackadder still wasn't known in the states, mm-hmm. not well anyway. Uh, <sighs> so he was known in Britain at the time mainly for not the nine o'clock news and Blackadder, but the studio felt he was too unknown to American audiences because this was yes, I think Mr. Bean st- didn't start till like 1990, if memory serves. But temperamentally, Rowan Atkinson, I think, would be so good. Like, if you couldn't get Tim- Tim Curry, Tim- Rowan- Timothy Curry, uh, Tim Timothy Curry, Curry, oh, Timothy Curry, Rowan Atkinson oh, will crush. so good. Is the, like, yes, if the snobbery. Yeah, if you watch, especially those later series of Blackadder, you know, yeah. where it's less bean and more just the dripping disdain. But then mirror that with, uh, not mirror, add to that the incredible physical comedy. Like, he's unparalleled. We've talked about invisible, invisible drum kit on this very podcast but man he did there's also a sketch that he did oh i think it's called like pink tights and if you look up like rowan atkinson shakespeare or rowan atkinson tights or something you should be able to find this little like spoof of shakespearean stuff but it is like very this energy of just like yes i take myself seriously and i'm a total idiot um oh that's good that's good that's good. So those were all the characters that I found in their casting options for, but there are a few characters we didn't mention, so I want to briefly touch on them. I'm, everyone else in the cast. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> Michael McKean as Mr. Green. 
is it's so good. It's so understated mm-hmm. compared to like because I think I knew him best from the Christopher Guest films. Right, and Spinal Tap. Yeah, Spinal Tap and Best in Show. Uh that I was like, I really I, it took me so long to be like, this is the same guy from Best in Show. It's also by this point that, that by that point it's like the hair is going. So the sure. hair is like swept back like and is so different. Years, um, yeah. I true, true. But it's still like years. there are certain actors. Tim Curry, you know, you see in this and then you see today and you're like, that's Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. That's Tim Curry. You don't mistake him. Michael McKean, no. he's got the glasses and it's like this nebbish character. I just had no idea. I was like, that is I couldn't compute that this was Michael McKean for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen him on the American stage and homecoming and pin. Yes, homecoming. I saw Homecoming and Superior Donuts. Tracy oh, Letts's Superior Donuts. You've got one over on me. Yeah. I saw Homecoming twice. Dang it. You got me there. Uh, <laughs> uh, Madeline Kahn is Miss White. It, it, I mean, it's iconic. Oh. Flames on the side of my face. She's so, like, watching it again, thinking about it for this, which is different than just watching it, either because I'm trying to play Eileen Brennan as Peacock or just for my own pleasure. Like, she says so little up top you know she's so quiet aside from the soup slurping you know and it's just like she's saying so much with her face and then we get to get like these full like you know you she starts to unravel as the night goes on but it's like oh yeah she has to just communicate so much and she's still so funny and we totally buy the seriousness of the situation she finds herself in she's one of the more understated of the characters which is uh (laughs) <laughs> which which is why that flames in the side of my face is like works so well because mm-hmm. it's also it's still not like an outburst no. it's still so con- she's so contained. she's trying to figure it out as she's going along <laughs> I, I what is it is basically like what's under um how did it make me feel it uh, 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 flames flames like that's the <laughs> <laughs> the subconscious there and Eileen Atkins I mean of course iconic I, apparently she no 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 Eileen Atkins is not in this film Eileen no. Brennan is in this film thank you Eileen Atkins is another actor she sure is uh, I saw her in Doubt on Broadway same um, <laughs> she was great uh, Gosford Parks Eileen Atkins yes. not to be confused with Eileen Brennan no no Eileen Brennan apparently she had a I believe it was a car accident yeah it was pretty bad yeah like two years before so she was still like Jonathan Lynn was saying that like he felt such sympathy for her because she was clearly still like in pain and like having to manage that. But like you would never know from looking at the film like at at any point, which is I think is also one of the reasons why you were so funny seeing at this uh, celebratory thing for Jonathan Lynn, because she's got like at any given point, if you look at her, she's doing something incredible in the background. Mm -hmm. I mean, when they start like punching when 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 madeline Kahn like knees uh leavings mr body in the, in the nuts and you see her in the background like yeah yes I'm like clap like she does like this weird like little sideways clap kind of thing where she's like it's like a rocket going up in a space that's so good although i forgot to mention with michael mckean w- one of the things i didn't notice until this viewing that he when uh in the mrs peacock ending <laughs> when mrs mr Wadsworth is, is like how catch. he knew is like because you loved the dish at dinner which was monkey's brains that like oh clearly only you would know this because blah 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 and mr green is like that was monkey brains and like walks that what and, as he passes the frame and then later you see him coming back in the background clearly having come from the bathroom where he was throwing up just looking like uh, and then gets close enough to see mrs peacock has a gun and is then just like oh but i've never noticed it's so funny if you watch this either. listener in the Mrs. Peacock ending, just watch Michael McKean in the background. Cause, but I feel like that's at any point. This would be a great movie to just be like, okay, this viewing, I'm only going to look at Christopher Lloyd 
whatever he's doing in the background and watch him all so full they're so so invested rich they're so good so funny and yeah eileen brennan it she really is the mat that's why her entrance she says nothing and she's crushing it immediately she's acting through the ends of the feathers sitting on top of her hat you know that hat falling off her head acting is is so good i don't know that we are (laughs) and it's just what's what's the one that the um like the uh who's winds up being like the head of the FBI or the head of the cops that like comes by is like the missionary or yeah. whatever is just like the, the kingdom of heaven is here. It's like you, you your souls are in danger. Our, Our lives are, are in danger. danger. <laughs> you beat Nick slam. <laughs> it's so good. And also the way that she, you know, has her, she has her different kind of vocal modes that she goes into. And as someone who has similar vocal modes, I really appreciate that where it's like loud and louder. Well, no, I mean, there's the sort of like, we're doing the low, we're going to kind of toss it off. And then there's the kind of snide one like this. And then it's just like, she then has her, she has her like more like socially acceptable voice. And then there's one like, Oh, how would you know when were you in that men's room? You know, that then, in her ending, she turns into suddenly like a gun mall. She's like, why yeah. did I have murdered all the others? You know, this yeah, suddenly it's yeah. like this totally different character. Do you mind? Like that kind of vocal quality. I love it. I love it. Oh, She's so good. so good. It's so good. It was like, how did Mr. Body die? I was like, oh, maybe the brandy is poisoned as she drinks from it. Just her like, ah, ah, ah. It's, it's perfection glorious it's perfection uh and martin mull is colonel mustard very funny perfect so perfect good. blundering yeah 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 when, when i when i lost my mommy and daddy <laughs> <laughs> i didn't <laughs> I, I inherited something i inherited in the war when i lost my mommy and daddy just this like grown man with a mustache the way that he looks at miss scarlet when they get their matchsticks paired together and she's like oh man he's just looking at her like adoringly and like a little puppy dog <laughs> it's so funny well it's just like you're the one blackmailing me it's like please take pity on me they, they pair that up so well but it's of course mr mr green the alleged homosexual paired with yvette we're just like uh, that was also great i'm just like at the stairwell to the attic where it's like okay you go mm-hmm. up first like you go up first it's like okay i'll go up first and then they just like cut away and they cut back and he's still standing there no <laughs> one is moving to check out this attic uh and yeah as you've established mrs white being like if i ever get you alone wadsworth i'll kill you mrs. and this is why no man in his red mind will be alone together with you and they get paired together of course they do so and of course then christopher lloyd as professor plum this old horn dog it's you and me honey bunch honey but i love that he bunch. gets because Wadsworth cuts the matches is like like so short and then like medium and so on and Christopher Lloyd's match is so I think he's got the one that's like the 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 shortest so it's the shortest yeah the shortest and Yvette and Mr. Green have like the longest and Plum just so desperate it's just like his his face is always going into that decolletage that he's like holding it up to hers as if there's any chance that this teeny tiny inch of a match could match her like foot long match uh, it's so, so good. But yeah, he winds up with Peacock with it's you and me, honey bunch. Uh, it's always says honey bunch. Yeah. Can't believe it. same year as back to the future, which is bananas. Just thinking like, Oh, that he's the same age here. The as power he of there. the wig, the power of the wig, uh, which it, Leslie and Warren could have stood to yeah, benefit from the oh, power oh, of the you wig. You think Miss Scarlet would do better with the, a doc Brown wig? No, no, <laughs> no you no. don't think so. Just a quaff, a quaff, oh, a quaff, a quaff, uh, or maybe a jaunty hat. 
Maybe we, maybe we'd hide. She maybe we'd do the work. She has that incredible. No, it's it's the way it's just not styled in a fifties style. Yeah, you know, okay. but she's also got that incredible like cape that she comes in with the 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 like cloak that has this giant like collar that stands up on its own yeah. you don't want to wear a hat with that darling you need that oh, to like do oh, all the my work mistake, my mistake uh and then yes leaving flash dances leaving oh my gosh, as that realization we yeah go back and listen to our episode on flash dance if you haven't yet because we could not believe as because we just know him so much from this and neither of us has seen flash dance and we're like this is who is this guy he's Ooh. just like just a, like skinnier enough and like younger enough to where it's like you don't clock it right but it's primarily known as the front man of the punk rock band fear and so i've seen multiple things online so i've seen that he was chosen because his name is leaving so mr body will be leaving soon and jonathan lynn just said that the studio wanted him he had some big hit record or something Mm -hmm. i had imagined somebody rather different but i said no to every one of the studio's requests and so finally i thought well i better say yes to something yep so it, it could have been that he just had a hit record and maybe that's why they want a madonna they're like madonna's a hit yeah. madonna's madonna People she's been just in a trying movie to ca- who's gonna move the needle baby who's moving the needle uh yeah you know lizzo's in hustlers for like what two minutes where she's got like a few right. lines yeah beginning. it's like you're just putting her in because it's lizzo i i don't know i don't know uh but final thoughts anything we haven't touched on any we talked about most of the performers aside from like the cop and the motorist but uh yeah i mean we didn't really say christopher lloyd is is really wonderful in this as well he's very and and yeah well christopher lloyd is as professor yes he he is great i mean it is uh, i i always i don't know i i it's christopher lloyd so i love christopher lloyd but it is to me it's like it's so far on down the totem pole compared to back to the future and who framed roger rabbit and taxi of what i think of with Lloyd's performances, I wish he had slightly more to do. I mean, he's there, but it's like, there's something about him as like the horn dog mm-hmm. professor that I'm like, this is fine on him. Well, he, he underplays it a lot, which I think yeah. works for the film. He doesn't, he's not like, he's not Wattsworth in this. So he doesn't well, get no, the big no, no, no. tour de force. I think he's very funny. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, but I do also think like, you it's know, it's an ensemble Lloyd. film, you know, you know. Uh, exactly. That's the thing. That's that's what I think, like, even with any quibbles we could have about for me, for Lloyd or for you, for Leslie and Warren, it works so well as an ensemble. This it's to beautiful. me is one of the most perfect film ensembles yeah. ever captured. Yeah. Really well calibrated. Um, I would just like to throw out there that I got uh, some intel. Intel from your mom? Intel. I texted my parents and I said, Mama Jackson. Mama Jackson said, did you actually Mama Jackson would be like my grandma. So uh, um, my dad said no. So Mother Jackson, shall we say. I said, did you all see that Sondheim play on Broadway, Getting Away with Murder? She asked who was in it. I said, Christine Eversole would have been 1996. She says, I'm pretty sure that we did. Why? That's all I know because she hasn't responded with whether or not it was good. But you know what? <laughs> Thank you for letting us know You're that so they did welcome. indeed see this. I'll keep Sondheim you in suspense. Play. I really, you like let me know this earlier in the break. Well, because I needed to text her back, you know. Sure, but sure, yeah. sure, sure. So but if I find I, out I, any I more intel. I had a bit more of a hot tip. I wish uh, I did. I'm just saying. <laughs> Look, there were only however many performances. My parents were at okay. one of them. Well, as we've established before, we were going to be recording so many episodes to 
we're, we're literally recording like our Christmas episode in like a few weeks. So uh, stay you, tuned. When you, yes, we can. We'll add in uh, a little bonus to this episode at the end of, a, of, <laughs> of whatever info that your mom has. If there is any hot, it tips might just be. I think we saw it. Okay, well, if it's just that, we're literally going to add in just you going that your mom added. I think we saw it. <laughs> Uh, so I'll, ha- I'll add this for my final thought. If this mansion set looked at all familiar to you, listener, it might be because you were a watcher of Dynasty. Because after production concluded, the mansion set was bought and redecorated to be used as Dynasty's Carlton Hotel. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay, and now... We have our exclusive on <laughs> your parents gotten back to us about seeing this Sondheim murder mystery, getting mm-hmm. away with murder. What did John and Nancy have to say? Okay. They had to say they don't really remember much. <laughs> now, it was 25 years ago or so, so this is unsurprising. The, the, my father says, wow, hard for me to remember anything in particular. I know we were looking for a play and a mystery, and we're able to get tickets to this show, so we went. Nothing jumps out to me. It did not last long, but I don't remember anything about it in particular. Sorry, it was no help. Listener, to- we're, we're recording this so long after we recorded the rest of the episode. Um, but I think that that, that <sighs> speaks to well the quality of it itself. The time. Of the production, if you know it was a mystery, and they're like, I don't know, we saw it. That's that was what we remember. the biggest mystery of all. What was the show even about that we just saw? Amy Joe, Jeff, what are you recommending this week? I'm going to recommend uh, this Netflix show called Special, which just recently had a season mm. two that dropped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to read you a blurb. Read me a blurb. Okay. Actor-writer Ryan O'Connell stars in this semi-autobiographical series based on his memoir. He plays Ryan, a gay man with cerebral palsy, who decides to do away with his identity as an accident victim and go after the life that he wants. After years of dead-end internships, blogging in his pajamas, and mainly communicating through text, Ryan figures out how to take his life from bleak to chic as he gets ready to start limping toward adulthood. It's very charming, it's very funny, and it stars Ryan O'Connell. And so to see a writer and an actor with cerebral palsy like performing yeah. as as himself in that way and and doing so with like a, a comedic lens is like look this is this is my life <laughs> you know it's it's really funny in addition to just being like oh we we have so little representation for this in the media and certainly so little authentic representation so get, check it out special on Netflix love it jeff amy joe what you recommend uh, I'm going to recommend the book If We Were Villains by M.L. Rio. Uh, not a comedy as this film is, but is another murder mystery. It's a murder mystery uh, within at, at a Shakespeare conservatory. So all these like college-aged actors uh, gearing up to do. So it's very Shakespeare nerdy if you're a fan of that the way I am. Uh, and just a real fun murder mystery. I had a ball with it. So that's what I'm recommending If We Were Villains by M.L. Rio. And that's what we're recommending this week. Da, da, da. Thank you again to Sloth Thank for you, Sloth. requesting Clue. And uh, if you listener have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of, email us at andalmoststarring at gmail.com. Depending on when we get your email, it might show up sometime in 2022. Because hey. this is how we are recording so far in advance. Uh, but let us know and we will see if I can wedge it in before while we were filming all these episodes in August. But you know what you can do right now, no matter when it is, you can go follow us on Instagram or Facebook at and 
Almost Starring to see what we're doing next week and all those glorious, deeply thought out photographs that we told you about. Minutes upon minutes. Minutes. The production value. These these pictures that we do. Mediocre. (laughs) Um, But the effort is there. And that is what counts. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.